0: recording so hello guys um for a long time this, no see a long time no see it's been a while it's been a week man Damn. it's such a coincidence
1: we're in the same exact place with the same exact clothes
0: we're just that coordinated
1: yeah this is Ooh. our podcast clothing you know you know when you're in sims and you got like a certain like clothes for a certain type of like activity that's us we only have like five pieces of clothes it's
0: our uniform are you sure i don't know i don't know about that
2: (laughs) (laughs) you never played sims
0: no uh, so play the mobile version though I, I didn't trying, get the man. full experience.
1: Yeah. Of
2: course, that's <laughs> supposed to be... I
1: guess, I guess <laughs> sims don't travel the self-road now.
0: Not to my end. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, this. well, basically we had to... Shall we, shall we say why?
3: <laughs> why, why? Why not? I don't know. I don't
0: mind. I don't know. Alright, so basically <laughs> I said like we had to record this back to back because there were some bought- technical issues when we recorded last week, but it's all good. Um but for this episode, episode two, I am gonna be talking about the goods and the commodities that was traded on the Silk Road and how mm. that really shaped how the Silk Road and relations between different factions changed yeah. over time. I thought you were going to
1: say the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: No, nah, oh, Silk Road. that wasn't on my, my mind. But, so, well, I think the appropriate point to start is talking about Silk. So, although Silk... Although it's called the Silk Road, Silk is obviously not the main thing and not the most important. It is the most important, but it's on par with some other commodities that are just as important that was also traded on the Silk Road. Now you contradicted himself already. Nah. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) So, why was Silk such a highly valued commodity. The Romans loved it. The Roman nobles, they they saw this stuff as like high fashion, you know, <laughs> Balenciaga, man. like Louis Vuitton type stuff. Only the richest could wear it. The dripest yeah. of drips, like is the Gucci belt. of china you know, you
1: know that picture so... of Chris Christian Dior when um Eve Saint Laurent died. It's like that.
0: Yeah, they wearing, were all from China at the time. Straight silk, yeah. He is wearing if you want to drip, you, you need to buy silk. Like, yeah. that's how you demonstrate mm-hmm. class. And that also speaks to your hierarchy as well, how high you are. Silk was very important okay. uh, to the West side. And that is why silk is so highly valued. And mm-hmm. because of this... There is sort of a trade imbalance because there was so much more stuff that the Europeans wanted from China compared to what China really valued, what the Europeans were selling. Damn. It was just such a, it was just such a good like, it was like a net cash flow for China. They were just, they had so much good stuff to sell while they didn't really need anything yeah. that important from the from the West. So they were just up for they centuries. Were- because yeah, because they, they held the silk monopoly for like um from essentially the start of the silk Road all the way till the I believe the fourth um century or the sixth century when yeah Justinian uh, Justinian the first, the Byzantine Byzantine Emperor at the time did a little silk heist where they hired two monks that were, I think, that were actually originally like a subset of Christian. They pretend to be monks traveled along the silk road all the way to China to steal the silk egg native to China and then brought it back all the way back to the um, Byzantine and it- created a, a European silk monopoly. It, and that's it, what essentially ended the Chinese silk monopoly at the time.
1: It, it's it ain't the same as the Chinese. But uh, I was just thinking, like, that the whole plan sounds like like a crazy, like, ass plan that's, you know, like a bunch of people just say after a night out, <laughs> oh, yeah, we should just do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lads.
3: Lads, we should just dress as monks and just lads. steal the silk. Lads, no, I got a plan, innit? Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, I got go a
4: plan.
0: To... I think we should <laughs> let's go to China <laughs> and steal their silk. Yeah. Let's go on a. <laughs>
3: How long was that operation? Like two years, three. Yeah, years. the operation
0: lasted for a year, a whole year, I think. Um, so it was <laughs> actually in the sixth century. So they had the Chinese had a uh, silk monopoly for essentially, I think, eight centuries, mm. um, if I'm correct. Wow. So, a long time. yeah, um, so that Chinese didn't have a silk monopoly, everyone was getting silk at the time. And that's when the Chinese porcelain became the main trading commodity that China was exporting um and i think maybe that's why you know like potteries or like you know in plates they also call it china because because it just comes from um, china yeah because they were making really i guess like really beautiful porcelains that the europeans also liked yeah Um, they they
1: called it china the same as the food chinese
2: (laughs) oh wow (laughs) That's crazy, like, China had so much... (laughs) That's crazy how, like, China had, like, so much stuff, like, obviously losing Silk was a huge deal, but they still had so many other goods that they were just able to, like, not bounce back from, but it wasn't, like, obviously it was a huge hit. They still had. They were still churning out stuff that like people still wanted, like porcelain and whatnot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, also bear in mind, even though they stole the silk room from China and had their had their own little silk farm, yeah. some people were still buying silk from China because of the craftsmanship and the technology and the techniques that the Chinese had. It was just so much better, still um okay yeah the chinese skill the chinese silk was still much better so that's what makes them so good i guess like even yeah. though they lost a monopoly they were still selling there was people were still willing to buy it's, paying high it's, prices
1: it's like imagine like the unity engine right like a so no, like <laughs>
3: god. what is this
0: (laughs) 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 metaphor
3: no imagine so maybe like the
1: source engine so if it was imagine when it was like not open source oh yeah yeah. it was not open source so they like had a massive monopoly on it like the unity engine so they made a bunch of games but when they made it open source like other people could make the stuff on unity engine but it doesn't mean that they can make good games
0: yeah Oh told you Okay, mate. yeah, that's exactly it. Europeans didn't have the skill to make yeah. really good silk. Yeah, whereas the Chinese did. And they were still selling. It didn't so it didn't really affect their silk economy that much. Yeah, they were
1: given that that, that doo doo silk man, sh- straight brown. Yeah. Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> doo doo
1: silk. They put
0: camouflage dirt on it. and yeah i mean even i said like the silk monopoly and when during the 13th century when the mongol empire was reaching its peak covering vast land from china in the east to parts of eastern europe in the west and their presence Allowed an extensive control over the intercontinental trade routes.
4: Hmm. So
0: at the time under this under the Mongol Empire, the trade routes was much stable. Uh it's more stable, sorry, it's more stable and more secure because it was controlled by one it was controlled by one entity, I suppose. One civilization one civilization and it was okay. much better organized. Um, and what was interesting here is that even in the 13th century the Mongols still loved silk. They, they loved the silk to the fact that you can use silk so at the time when they were expanding they obtained a lot of their silk through looting the villages and sacking the villages for goods as well as silk obviously. Because they were still the highly prized commodities for the Mongols. And oh, just for okay. example, the Mongol consumed a substantial volume of silk fiber and apparently reached approximately 655 tons in one year. And this actually demonstrates a high demand for silk. And the reason why I know, like, I have this pretty specific uh volume of uh, silk because they were actually very well organized. It wasn't just, oh i give you this silk for a little bit of rice. No it wasn't really like that. It was all pre-planned contracted, written down and <laughs> so it was very, well, That's pretty very well organized. And oh, that was That's... way, that started way before the Mongol Empire as well. And I'll get you that, get on to that in a sec. Because I want to talk more about how the silk reached all the way to the 13th century after losing the monopoly. And Mongols, they love silk so much. Um, You can actually pay taxes in forms of gold uh, gold brocades. And golden brocades was basically garments. And they were just a textile material that is used to make golden embroidered silk pretty good um and you can use that to pay taxes if you wanted to so at the time one golden brocade equals one golden ingot. they had the same value oh, oh wow. i'll put a picture of that yeah. in post production yeah we'll pay a, post, a, yeah, post a picture of that in the purse um and then yeah so that's quite interesting how it reached all the way there do you think I? so yeah, moving on or? from silk What was also quite important was the spices that was being traded. Pepper was a very, very highly traded, like high volumes of pepper was traded between Europe and Asia. And when we talk about the spice trade, a lot of the Indian spices were very popular amongst the Europeans. I'm talking cinnamon, nutmeg, turmeric, you name it, all the Asian spices. They were very, very um, highly desired, high in demand in the in Europe, which is why the silks, tra- uh, the spice trade was also quite a big thing Karen, uh, between Asia and Europe. Yeah, and, yeah, and of course we can't forget about Central Asia as well. They also love spices, and there was well spices trade as well between them. Did Did Europe like spice? Yeah, 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 Europe loves spice. Like, but like, what kind of
2: spice? Is it like that nutmeg and stuff that you said?
0: Yeah, nutmeg, no, like, all of those pepper, especially for some reason. Like, like normal, they,
2: like normal black pepper. Like what you know?
0: I assume so. I think normal black pepper. Okay. Um, or uh, fair enough pepper oh, that's well, native like... to India, South Asia, you... uh, well, South Asia.
1: Do you think that the 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 trade of of pepper is why that started the usage of pepper in a lot of italian cuisine
0: yeah i think so um because
4: what?
0: spice what? trade was going overland or so in maritime trade as well um all the way to europe so it's huge mm. that's why uh, really? yeah so i think definitely influenced by that Hmm. No
2: doubt.
0: So like you
2: but know, I like, how... yeah. Sorry, go on. You know, like building upon Chris. Do you know, like you know, how pe- like pepper, like became a big thing in Italy? Is it also like because stuff like cinnamon and nutmeg got so big over in the European countries that kind of was like the baseline for like you know those Christmas baking stuff where they make those like cinnamon buns. With like yeah lose the cinnamon, like that's so fucking good. Like do we yeah, have Exactly Do we have the Silk Road to thank for that?
0: I think so, definitely. Definitely. Oh. All oh, right. Because I, I actually Silk. don't think if it wasn't for the Silk Road, the Europeans wouldn't have had that much exposure to Asian spices. And Unflavored. for Example, like when I was young, uh, when I first heard about, you know, cinnamon pastries and whatnot. I thought it was quite a European thing, you know. Yeah. I always hear cinnamon, nutmeg in in their recipes. Yeah. Over time as I grew older I learned like cinnamon and all that was more originated from South Asia and Asia in general. So I think definitely the cuisine, the European cuisine today was heavily influenced by uh, South South Asian spices yeah. and we yeah. have the Silk Road
1: like oh I wow didn't, I didn't even that's know cool. like you put cinnamon in some of the curries and stuff like I thought it was straight up just on cinnamon buns and stuff and I was like damn
0: that's different yeah you you think they're like I don't know like dessert pastry ingredients but yeah. they're in basic everyday dinner cooking my favourite spice, oh, wow. I sometimes wow. like cooking as well yeah garam garam masala yeah favourite salt I love it <laughs> you know Uh, um actually talking about so uh what were you gonna say
1: no yeah i was just going to say do you think that the the trading of spice was allowed over like a this this on on trade routes due to the fact that like like spice doesn't expire very easily like it can go quite a bit of time especially in yeah th- i think di- in that's one thing as well is that spice allowed, is quite a very trained.
0: easy it's quite an easy commodity to carry yeah. you don't have to worry about anything um like i know for example when the two monks who still stole on the Silk Road. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> stole the <whole> Silk Road. <laughs> uh, no, <way. laughs> they
3: just—they just
2: stole the Gansu corridor. What do we do?
3: No, they stole my front porch. Can't do anything in Detroit. <laughs> they just stole my door my jade gate.
0: <laughs> hey, how do I trade now? Where's the road? No.
3: Holy crap, Dude. the Gansu corridor is <laughs> gone, <laughs> guys. Um, the
2: Tokamakan desert is just gone. <laughs> it's not there.
0: The mom stole it
2: <laughs>
0: um, basically. When they were travel, when they were carrying the silkworms uh, back to Byzantine, uh, they were, I think, they were trying to keep it warm in, in a way because it was like. It was just trying to keep it alive, keep it dormant or whatever. But actually now thinking about that's a bit irrelevant to the point. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that some <laughs> other stuff is quite hard to carry. Porcelain, for example, I mean they're really fragile and mm. go through bumpy roads, bandits. Uh if you have some kind of conflicts, they're gone. And that's mm. basically your trade gone. You know, your little you know, the whole skirmish that you're doing its just all gone. Yeah.
1: Uh, I bet a bunch of them got cooked on the way to uh, to where they were trying to get to. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the bumpy spice hills. Spice right? was...
0: And... To be honest, the Spice, when the Ottoman Empire slowly blocked the trade between Europe and Asia, Spice was still being traded in Venice, I think. Because that was also quite a huge... Uh, trading point for spice. So you see, like even after trade were being blocked, they were still trying to find ways to get spice, and that's kind of speaks to how in demand spice is at the same time. Uh, comp- yeah, how important spice was to Europeans. Mm. Yeah. Um. So. Another important, another interesting things that were traded that were highly valued was with gemstones. Um, so, for example, Life. Chinese jades. Oh, just for one, as we all know, yeah. Um, because the Chinese jades, jades, you can find in quite a lot of places, actually. Um, but especially Chinese jades were very rare and they were like more green compared to other jades mm. so that's why they were highly valued and yeah and other gemstones i was traded are, are not from china for example lapis lazuli uh, rubies nice. emeralds
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, all the minecraft gemstones they were on the silk road for example they and they were not all from China either for example lapis uh, lazuli was commonly found in Afghanistan modern-day Afghanistan what and um, um I I know as well
1: like it's, there's a lot of there was especially so a trade route down to Southeast Asia because there was gemstones there as well so
0: yeah yeah and they they had a lot of importance just because they could be used for decorations, for royal halls, for building, etc., And they were, yeah, just very nice decorative piece that were in high demand. Yeah, mm. um, yeah so those were quite important. I wanna, now I wanna sort of talk about Another thing that was heavily traded, uh, it's not what you think, but horses. As we said in the previous episode, um, the Han dynasty has conflict with the Xiongnu, a nomadic tribe, and they had their own little beef. Over time, the Han dynasty discovered these heavenly horses, they call it Tianma um from the greco-bactrian kingdom which mm. is mm. It's... and that greco-bactrian indian was basically like Hellenistic era greek state yeah and it's essentially modern day afghanistan uzbekistan tajikistan and Turkmenistan, and I some parts that. of kazakhstan iran and pakistan so yeah. you can already imagine quite like, a huge kingdom. Huge area. At the time. I... So like, that all the stands I just mentioned, they were the Echo Bactrians. Uh, I remember and they that, had yeah, these um... heavenly horses. Yeah, there, and um... the Chinese wanted them so bad that they fought for them and well, not fought for them per se, before that they were actually trading silks for horses as well. So at the time, I guess like the silk was quite a huge trading medium, if you will, for mm. uh, anything. So, yeah, and once they obtained the horses, they were powerful enough to start fighting against the Shonlu nomadic tribe. So, um,
1: yeah. To, to that's add- like another
0: thing that was. Yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, I was going to add, like, so basically for a long period of time the Xiongnu um basically maybe not vassalized, but um they basically asked China to pay tribute to Xiongnu, like to give them gold and all these things just because they were so powerful at the time. So especially when they got horses, um they basically reversed it and um they basically got the Xiongnu start giving tributes to them and also um in terms of the greco-bactrian city i can't really remember fully about the story but they there's a greek people moved to the area and then basically intermingled with the bactrian um uh people and they came with horses and then over time um those horses that, that they had um they basically bred them over a period of time that just made it increasingly stronger just oh just the so minis- they were
0: just crossbreeding the best horses yeah essentially
1: so, yeah so they oh, it was just sure. yeah so there was like because of like there was a there definitely was like a milit like a militant reason for for the horses to be like that strong there is a backstory
0: right so they were so they were cultivating war horses essentially. Yeah,
1: like they were strong for a reason.
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh, so crossbreeding was already a thing back then as well. Yeah. Genetically modified, you could call it <laughs> GMO. GM <DM> horses. Genetically <laughs> modified <laughs> organism, bro.
1: GMO the horse fam.
0: Yeah. And just to like speak to how valuable those horses were to the Han Dynasty, um, in 800 to 838 AD, 500,000 pieces of silk were exported per year for the Uyghur tugs for horses. And one horse equals 40 pieces of silk. And to be honest, if you think about it back in there, how valuable silk was, that is quite expensive for a warhorse and yeah and i guess rightly so if they were the most superior warhorses at the time
1: it's like um it's like a lamborghini mate. yeah
0: yeah um yeah so next i want to talk about how the trade actually took place no merchants or traders um Actually, load up their goods, riding their horses from point A to point B, from China to Europe, because that is just simply too crazy to travel. <laughs> I mean, you're talking traveling 4,000 miles from A to B, and people are doing that in like a year. So, no one was really doing that. So, how yeah, did trade that's... actually take place? People mm. know exactly where they were going if let's say if they were meeting they were probably meeting a jewish merchant or, or zoro's or what was it what were they called so Zoro... the, zoroastrians yeah zoroastrians Zoro i think oh, so yeah. if you yeah if you're meeting them at a certain place it's all pre-arranged they know exactly where they're going exactly know who they're meeting and what goods they are trading. So it was very well organized. There were contracts and there were loans and there were payments that were clearly written down. So people kn- knew exactly what was happening and they were just trading locally because there was no way someone was gonna know the entire of entirety of Silk Road and know where to go. But if they mm. traveled in local places. They don't have to travel that far. They do it in a few days or a few weeks and meet their seller. Uh, sorry, meet their buyer and do the exchange, essentially. It's like Vimto's um, like at school, man.
1: Sorry? It's like selling Vimto's at
0: school, bro. That was <laughs> a real silk <laughs> <secret. laughs> road. <laughs> I had... um. I had a friend. Well, I sorry. I had a. I guess a friend. Back in secondary, he was selling muffins, and we all called him the Muffin Man. Because <laughs> every day, like, if you didn't bring your lunch, you know where he is. Fifty p for <laughs> a muffin. I also for lunch,
1: bro. Yeah. Look, this is how the Road started. And they <laughs> can make our own maybe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. <Come> on, that's <laughs> that's the silk of the Silk Road,
0: the muffin. It's so bro. Yeah, so just to adding on to how well organized the Silk Road was. caravansaries caravansaries yeah, were built on the trade routes um in Anatolia to serve caravan traders, merchants and the animals um so they were so this merchants and traders can stay in this caravans for up for free up to three days and they were provided with food health care and accommodation and sometimes even the poors can like get shoes from them as well so it was very accepting of everyone and yeah so it's quite a nice community almost so the caravan were are also also strategically placed um within good distance from each other so normally like 25 to 40 kilometers from each other and they also served as military stations royal guest houses prisons place of refuge Um, and religious meeting points as well sound like holiday of yeah, <laughs> if you want to go for a conference meeting, it's just get one of those caravansaries. You book those. But, <laughs> Travel on. but Airbnb. talking about that though, caravansaries were like very important in cultural and religious influence as well. How it spread mm. and how people come together and reach the same thing, talk about the same thing and then slowly spreading them outwards towards other places
1: is there any ones that are existing at the as of this moment do you would you know
0: um i guess at the time okay zoroastrian zoroastrianism christianity buddhism Mm. and also islam were all like really important religions that was being spread at the time. And that is why, uh, why Central Asia and Middle East have such a big Islamic influence. And parts of like on the West side of China also have a lot of Islamic uh, influence as well. And we'll get onto that in the next episode, but also Buddhism was spread from India all the way to China. And that was quite a huge religion that was being spread at the time. But yeah, so that was sort of like giving a snapshot of how well organized the Silk Road was. It wasn't just Mm. someone load up their stuff, go to this place and set up camp and hope someone will buy it. It was, they know who the buyer is, and where to go where to meet so very well organized as yeah. you might so, have heard uh, yeah target audience so i thought that was an interesting thing why um, you just got that.
1: i mean yeah especially so sorry go on oh uh,
2: like because you know you said like they know who the buyer is they know where to go and like who to meet and what to sell but like obviously communication is a lot different back then how did they know? Like, how did they even get in contact with like an Arabian buying Like, oh, honey, I have to leave in like five days. Just me, and my Arabian market friends. Yeah, friend there's no, there's no, so, there's no, there's like, no Facebook marketplace.
3: Even...
2: Yeah, exactly. So
3: <laughs> I'll give it to you for five <laughs> <a> quid. <laughs> <eight>. <laughs> Laugh, fuck off. <laughs> it's ten quid oh, at you know, least. I,
0: think I assume. I assume how it happened was i uh, i'm not too sure but i assume how it happens that this pre-arrangement was being pre-arranged ages ago and this trades will just take place periodically at scheduled times throughout the whole year um oh, okay. also information can also like information communication can be spread between each other anyway for example like you could be talking, you could send a note or letter to someone in, I'm not sure, like Sogdia, for example. And those people were like, okay, yeah, I want to buy this, and then they send a letter back. That's how they communicate. Oh, it was communications. Curious, curious. But I think more is that like they prearrange and schedule these ahead of time. So it's much easier to do that and also okay.
1: well thinking about it like the the silk road was around for f- up until the 13th century right so about 1500 years i mean yeah that's 15, that's 000, a, yeah so that's that's an established trade route so over time you like i would say for the most part that the goods that you're going to find in certain areas are most likely going to stay the same because the the yeah. the resources are going to be at the same areas, same places. So if you're going to from to and fro to certain places over time, that cultural like like knowledge or like family knowledge that's going to be passed down, and it's also going uh-huh. to be written down, right? Like these yeah, things like, are written
0: it's... down. So. It's, all, it's, like, it's always been like this, and it's much easier to say the same It's like, for example, you know where your local fish market is, and they have the best fish, so you always will go there to get your fish, and traders will always go there to sell their fish because they know a lot of people will go there to buy it. Um, it's sort of like that.
2: Ah, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. But... I mentioned Sogdia earlier, which is actually quite important. Which leads me to the next, uh, my next point, uh, Sogdians. The the Sogdian language was quite an important language at the time because it was referred as a a lingua franca, if I'm correct. And what that essentially means is a bridge, sorry. (laughs) Ligva, you say? No, <laughs> Nah, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Ligva Franca? Lingva. Who's
3: Frank? <laughs>
2: like... Why are you licking him?
3: <laughs> Why is he licking my Franca?
0: Nah, Chris is still stuck in 2016, I <laughs> think.
2: Um, he's soggy, <salty> <laughs> who they sucking off? She licked. <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah. Anyway, Franco. Fr- wait, lingua franca. <laughs> lingua franca. Franca. It, it means bridge language or traders' language, and essentially, it's basically like a common language that everyone spoke. So. In modern day times, English will be a uh, lingua franca because everyone everyone can speak it. Well, m- most of the people in the world can speak and understand English, and that's mm. the common language we have. And at the time, it's Sogdian, but the Sogdian unfortunately went extinct as a language um, over time because of the conflicts in China, and they were sort of in the middle of it, and other various other factors as well. Um, so the Sogdians, they had a sort of quite good relation with the Chinese. They lived in Imperial China during the Tang Dynasty, in from um, about 600 to 900 AD. And for reference, at the time, the Western Roman Empire had fallen, and the Byzantine Empire. Started, well, continue to thrive into the east, and the Vikings were raiding across Europe, and that was sort of the timeline uh, when the Sogdians okay. were sort of like thriving as well. Um, um, they integrated well with the Chinese people uh, because they were also major traders and middlemen along the Silk Road. Unsurprisingly, though. The Sogdians who lived in China still spoke Sogdian because, as I said, they are lingua franca, but also they wanted to preserve their culture and their community, even though they live in mm. China. So the Chinese started employ Sogdian Chinese translators. And mm. if you think about it, if there was a need to em- employee translators there was such a huge community of Sogdian in china and there's so much trade that was happening within them that they needed more translators um to complete the trades
1: so yeah could you explain what lingua franca means as well for everyone
4: Mm. No, I'm not going to... No, no, it's serious like, is this a trap. No, it's not. <laughs> no, <I'm> not. <laughs> What is... What is... <laughs>
3: uh, no, serious question. So, okay. What, what okay. is the context behind okay, so... lingua
1: franca?
0: Okay, so... <laughs> Lingua Franca was a bridge language, like a common language that people understood. (laughs) It was also known as a trade language as well because people, traders were using uh, Sogdian to communicate and to complete trades. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, I think that was... Sort of a small, small thing about the Sogdians and how they were important along the Silk Road.
2: Would you say the Sogdians were like modern-day equivalents of like finance bros and investors, or oh, like no, people that like, like do investing? Because they <laughs> are like the middleman in these things. Like no, it they mean, trade. I
3: <laughs> did they? Did they do multi-level marketing?
0: I don't know what technique they had I don't know what kind of marketing skill they had Yo, become a Sobdian Learn our
3: language And trust me, you'll become a trader too
2: (laughs) How did they make the stakeholders happy? Like, I need to know
3: It's like those trading 212 adverts Maybe they had a lot
0: of charisma A lot of
2: charisma Okay, okay
0: Day-to-day yeah. trader. I mean, to be honest, you know, I read somewhere where they actually had accounts of loans and payments um, that was given to traders. So traders oh. would get a loan and use that money to probably buy better horses, more security for them for the road they're about to take before they do the trade. And there was also... <inaudible> I said, there was like late shipment fee and all that stuff I was like there's no way they also had these sort of like clauses in the contract where like if the shipment was late you have to pay extra fees (laughs) blah 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 it's like next day delivery Amazon (laughs) yeah so 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 they were sort of like banking on that the trader was smart enough and didn't cheap out you know didn't cheap out and buy better security by better security hmm. and hopefully that get that
4: sense.
0: good security yeah would you say um, giving out loans is a form of capitalism yeah because I feel like capitalism is the idea of that you're betting that you will make more money in the future and that's what a loan is no
1: uh, I, mean, I, guess.
0: I mean, I guess. So you could call the Sorgdians finance bros in that case. Uh,
1: yeah. They're the, first oh, the HHS, finance bros of the Silk Road.
0: They're HSMC, yeah. bro.
1: Lloyd's TSB.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think another point to mention is that the Welk organized trade Trading plans also speaks to how um, well how how well organized it was speaks to how well the supply and demand was. You could say that the supply chain management on the Silk Road really helped us well carried on till modern day with so- mm. uh, with like supply and demand, and that was already be happening on the silk road you know years ago so it was nothing new that what we're doing now is all learned from the past and wow so
2: it was like basically like the form of like
0: kind of global
2: or like not like international like capitalism
0: in a way yeah so the silk road is what really started globalization, to be yeah. honest. Well, uh, I mean,
1: uh-huh. at the same time, there's less regulation on on that as well. So, I mean, anything could be traded. Like. Yeah. Um, I'll let you carry uh, on, so that- and then we'll I'll talk a little bit if if we don't cover it. So. Oh. Yeah. So
2: basically, the form of the freest market ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you could say yeah, so. Yeah, that was the freest market ever because, yeah, yeah actually. Just due to the fact there's no Because they were no just doing room. their own thing. Like, and it, it was not too regulated. Yeah, it wasn't regulated. Like wow. Interesting. Interesting how maybe backwards we have come to <laughs> Damn,
3: Free the free the market, bro. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to sell some shit that I can't sell. <laughs>
0: but perhaps we're reading too deep into this. Maybe it's not like that. Maybe it was, but it's <laughs> something to think about. I think. Mm. Yeah. So. Oh my god. Sorry, I wanted to say earlier that I now remembered. I think Godfrey mentioned salt. Did you say salt earlier?
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: I
0: did. <laughs> he said it's his favorite yeah. favorite spice. <laughs> <He's> like... <laughs> 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 I wonder, that reminded me of something. So, at the time, gold was also being traded and imported into China. And the gold actually originated from Africa. So, oh, wow. how that really happened was that I think I heard somewhere, read somewhere, the Moroccans <laughs> was trading. <laughs> the Moroccans I heard was trading. I heard with, somewhere. <laughs> 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 but I heard
3: I heard it through the it's grapevine. So <laughs> I heard what it through the grapevine. I heard
4: it in my little <laughs> No, it
0: was trusted source, so trust me.
4: <laughs>
0: no, you but, definitely not um, going to need the put a citation in that. Sorry?
3: <laughs> You're definitely going to need to put a citation in this episode. <laughs> you said some shit like this that whole episode like yeah i read somewhere <laughs> yeah there's an
2: account i probably heard <laughs> um...
3: i think i remember something i don't really know <laughs> yeah.
0: but yeah. besides all this i actually did hear this from a different podcast
3: Oh okay. Oh
2: okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. yeah. I also that. read up on it.
0: Should've <laughs> should've said said that. From... You
3: should said that instead of I just heard it from somewhere.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, I should have just said that. Anyway, anyway what what I wanted to say was Moroccans <laughs> was trading <laughs> with North Africa. Um. Well, yeah, so Moroccan the Moroccans and the was trading with North Africa. They were trading what, what, gold for salt. Hold on. What do you mean by that?
3: <laughs> who was trading with <laughs> um, Moroccans are North African. What do you mean by Moroccans are trading with North Africans? Sorry, sorry.
0: <laughs> we're just trading with Africa?
3: Moroccans are trading... They are African as well. So That's who not- are they trading with?
0: Other Africans.
3: Oh, Okay, alright.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> trading within themselves. shit yeah, we made I more mean, gold. Why not? They were still trading locally. <laughs> but like anyway, Infinite, there was a lot it? of gold in Africa. Infinite and gold. Rockers were trading salt. Uh, for gold. Oh, okay. oh. They were just trading bags of salt for gold. Um, because. Gold was highly in demand in Morocco and in some parts of Africa salt was so in high demand because of the environment they were in. They were sweating so much. They need more salt in their diet. And they couldn't get it from anywhere besides from trading. So you know, back in the days you could just carry a bag of salt and go over to Morocco. You, you you can get a lot of gold for a bag of salt oh wow yeah. i mean yeah 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 so i think sort
4: of
0: to <laughs> <laughs> um solve sort of to end on this is I want to talk about the reason why the Silk Road, the trading on the Silk Road, slowly faded away. And that was for several factors. Oh, um, So to begin, it started to decline near the fall of the Tang Dynasty uh, in around 900, 800, 900 AD. And as they were crumbling, there was significant economic disruptions um at least on the chinese end of things so there was just less trade in general um another huge contributor to the end of the trading on the Silk Road was the rise of maritime trade mm. so by around the 10th century naval technology started improving and just out competing land trades more experienced sailors there were more on the sea. So we sort of mastered the long-range travel by using the monsoon wind on the Indian Ocean. And they would just basically travel the entire ocean without stopping India, which made the whole journey much faster compared to if you were doing land trade. Could, could you say that again? Sorry. Uh, I think you're breaking off on my end.
2: Yeah. How did I
0: break off? Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. From where? Um, uh, okay, I'll just start from there. I'll start yeah. from the beginning for yeah. that one. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to talk about how the Silk Road ended. Yeah. So basically, um, one of the reasons why the trade on the Silk Road slowly faded away was due to, Well, it was started from the decline of the Tang Dynasty near 800-900 AD, Mm. and there was a significant economic disruption at the time, at least on the Chinese end of things. Um, So there was just less trade in general. Another huge factor that contributed was the maritime trade. There was such a huge... Advancement in naval technology, it just outcompeted land trade, so it just made more economic sense to do trade by maritime trade rather than overland. And um, as well as this, there were more experienced sailors on the sea, and they were they basically mastered long-range travel by utilizing the monsoon wind from on, on the east. Indian Ocean, so they could travel the entire ocean without stopping in India, which is huge. And because of this fast travel, it started connecting Southeast Asia to East Africa and Arabia by maritime trade. And that really accelerated trade in general to much further places, um, which made it much easier. Um, and there were other some minor factors that sort of shifted the silk trade as well. For example, I mentioned earlier the the silk heist by Justinian, and in China and China started trading porcelain afterwards. So the silk slowly died down. So at that time, it was more economical trading by sea. So silk trade slowly died and Mm. land trade in general slowly faded away as well. And another huge reason is the rise of the Ottoman Turks. When they captured Constantinople, Constantinople. (laughs) (laughs) Um, as we all know, that was a huge trading hub at the time between Europe and Asia. The capture of that, so the capture of that um stopped the trade between europe and asia and also they started blocking the trade route pretty much shutting down the whole trade route between europe and asia which some people believe prompted the age of discovery from the spanish and the portuguese the discovery of america and european exploration as well do
1: you know do you know why they they did that Why? Well,
0: why the spanish start what Ages just mm. just no no the
1: the, the the ottomans like why did they like disrupt the trade routes
0: um mainly because they wanted to sort of like have a huge control of the trade route i think and just completely stopping europe from getting anything um from the east mm. um i think there are more to that though um but i'm not too sure
1: mm. maybe a possibility but... is that yeah can yeah controlling the trade route like that, nearly everything that comes from from the from the east basically goes through the Arab, either through the red sea or overland through the middle east so controlling that entire thing would mean like a massive cash grab if they put insane taxes on that like they everything would have to go
0: through there so yeah yeah exactly so and i don't think they completely stopped all the trade but they did significantly reduce the amount of trade that happened um but this often is quite a misconception though how the ottoman turks sort of stopped the trade and prompted age of discovery because the portuguese and spanish already had intentions t- to explore around the world and try to find new trade routes and they didn't want to rely on you know just one that one land route that is being controlled by the ottomans so well at the time it didn't even happen but they didn't want to just rely on one trading hub for the entire, you know eastern commodities to come through they wanted to Uh, see other stuff
1: yeah Uh, and 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 that's why
0: yeah yeah.
1: so and then and to add on to that like at uh, the same time like the holy roman empire the french like empire and o- also the british like t- o- most of mainland europe like there was a considerable amount of like civilization and large kingdoms growing at that time so in terms of Spain and portugal rather than looking inwards which would be an uphill battle like Yeah, going around and making their own trade routes um, around was basically the best possible um, option for them at the time. So, uh, yeah, there were other factors. It wasn't that, which is obviously part of the misconception.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think that's pretty... That's pretty much it because I talked about a lot of the important stuff and the highly valued community that was traded on the Silk Road. For example, the gemstone silk, horses, porcelain, spices were traded, but there were also other stuff, semi-precious metals uh, was also traded, ivory, um, and also slaves. Slaves oh. was also traded on along the Silk Road and there were even accounts of, like slaves from Dublin, by the way, Dublin in Ireland, all the way to like Sandong in China. And a lot of slaves that were traded eventually, you know, became entertainers, servants, and even eunuchs for the royals, for the royal courts in China. Um, so there are of course dark histories along the Silk Road as well. Yeah,
1: I I was gonna say to add on to that, like uh, also in terms of like political unrest and war and such and such, um the the Silk Roads were also used for the displacement of civilians. So say the migration of civilians, they would also use Silk Roads. So just yeah. to move from one place to another. Um so yeah, it it was another maybe not so much like goods or like like, such and such, but it's still a transportation of people um across a medium.
0: So yeah. I think that was huge as well. The Silk Road was a huge migration route as well as a trade route. And in fact this the spread, the migration of people also probably was a reason why the black death was also spread along the silk road there were Hmm. so i don't know if people know this but the black death was actually originated from china oops (laughs) (laughs) second time in a row now (laughs) they
3: go for the trilogy soon just give it a few are like they got these
2: repeats? <laughs> <laughs>
0: but the goat, yeah, so
2: the... <laughs> the goat of diseases. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Twitter thread. <laughs> but yeah, as we all know, like how disastrous um the black death was, and they actually mm. started from China just through the road from just a spread of people oh wow so yeah that was in a way traded on the silk road people was just <laughs> going across you know breathing on each other <laughs> coughing on each other just not wearing true. masks oh.
3: yo i'll give you some rice if you send me the bubonic plague for real
2: bro. <laughs> <laughs> this client's late on the payment what happened the bubonic plague got him <laughs> it's, God. Like, it's like
3: be here sharp or else I won't give you the bubonic plague <laughs> <laughs> it's like no I missed it by 10 minutes please <laughs> like nah I won't cuff on you no more
2: <laughs> you got me silk from Italy you... and not China <laughs> Yes.
0: Consider our relationship finished.
3: <laughs> you don't deserve the bubonic plague. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want, cowpox? <laughs> I got
0: all the diseases.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Um. so pretty much that was sort of like I guess a surface level overview of the different stuff that was being traded on the Silk Road. And the important thing to take away here is that not no one traveled the whole way. They were trading locally. Silk Mm. wasn't the only thing that was the most important commodities that was being traded. Other stuff that you might not have thought of like pepper, um, what did I say? Pepper, horses, people, diseases, and porcelain as well. So why you...
4: did <laughs> you put this emphasis? Is...
3: What did say? Pepper. I'm just saying.
0: Well. I'm just pepper. saying, like
3: people. Yeah, pepper. <laughs> Like pepper, is a, <laughs> pepper is a standalone spice, bruh. It's a pepper and then like five five things later, then spice. <laughs> Shit. Is that the first thing as well? <laughs> Shit. Silk, then pepper, bruh. <laughs>
0: The same. No, but it was see. important. Like even even oh, I didn't even mention like exotic fruits. Like rhubarb was actually Never. regarded as a very highly like very high in demand. Rhubarb and exotic animals as well was being traded. Yeah. <laughs> Why?
3: What, yeah, so- what, so- what was the so? What did the so? What was the Soviet language chicken?
0: Just, a, just just a trade language.
3: <laughs> All <laughs> right, <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, shall we ended.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that was sort of an overview of what was being traded on the Silk Road. And yeah, so those are sort of like the important facts to take away. But also, a lot of the trade took place on maritime trade. Not a, like if you really think about it, it was more economical, it was just faster, so it was just better to trade through the sea. Mm. And then,
4: yeah, yeah, what was um, that?
2: yeah, Well okay, <laughs> yeah, what okay, that? some of the, the spices. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think wrong with the spies. There's one in particular that I can't seem to remember.
2: No. (laughs) Begins with P. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Alright, anyway. Thank you guys for watching episode 2. If you got to the end, we're sorry. (laughs) <laughs> but we
4: <You> know, are.
1: <laughs> um, also, very sorry if our mixing in episode one is terrible. Um, I didn't know I was that loud. Um, <laughs> I hope I don't sound like I'm shouting because I don't mean yeah.
4: to.
3: But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.
4: Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah.